Hello and welcome to a special episode of the Vorthos Cast. I'm Janelli, and with me is Andrew Weissel. Hi, I'm Andrew Weissel. And Carrie Thomas. Hi, I'm Carrie Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing the minimalist introductions this week. We've got to save all the time to talk about a very special Dominaria preview card. So, uh, many of you have probably seen this card already. But if you're a Vorthos like us, you haven't really seen it until you've seen artwork and uh, flavor text. So we here at the Vorthos cast were given Magic Story Dominaria Story Spotlight number four of four. Uh, it is, it looks amazing. So should, should we just tell people what it is? Uh, in yeah. Bolus's Clutches. And it is an image of Nicol Bolas reaching out and claiming Liliana for himself. And the flavor text reads, Your contract is in default. You belong to me now. Serve or die. Dash Nicol Bolas. Uh, and and for the people like... who might be listening who maybe aren't super Vorthoses, um, card is in Bolas Clutches. It's for four and two blue. It's an uncommon. It's a legendary enchantment aura with enchant permanent. You control enchanted permanent and enchanted permanent is legendary. First of all, um, I love that last bit because it makes yes. anything legendary. Like if, if Nicol Bolas is after it, it has to be legendary. It, it has to be cool. And and when he gets it, he's the only person who has that thing. Um, which is... Memnite? Like, Thopter? It's legendary well, and well, it's like. Well, um, imagine putting, like, boluses in front of the card name. So, like, oh, this is just an Ornithopter, but if you catch, or if you cast in Bolus's clutches on it, now it's not just Ornithopter, it's Bolus's Ornithopter of death. <laughs> the artwork is by Zek Stella. So, that's about as much uh, mechanical talk as we're going to do with this, because we're, we're a Vorthos podcast, so... Vorthos he- involves mechanics, but... True. Okay. You're right. It's very flavorful. We talked about as, how it's flavorful. As, as the person who's also high on the Mel scale in in this group, um, I will defend card mechanics till the uh, Lilianas come home. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here's what we know. All of Liliana's demons are now dead. Uh, she killed Kothafed at the start. Uh, then she followed Gristlebrand to Innistrad. And then we had like a six year gap and she killed Razaketh. Uh, and then like Six months later, she's now killed Belzenlock. That's real time in, in story. She's killed about one a year. Um, and so this has finally settled one of the longest standing plots in magic. Like her novel got canceled and just no progress was made on this story. Like there was one side story maybe every other year for like six years. So to, to put the demon thing in perspective, she kills Kothafed in a comic that comes out shortly before Innistrad Block, which is where she kills Grizzlebrand. Original Innistrad Block, I should mention. She doesn't kill Razaketh until Hour of Devastation. So that's 2010 to 2017. Yeah, players had to wait through um, Return to Ravnica Block, Theros Block, Cons of Tarkir Block, Magical Origins, Battle for Zendikar Block, Shadows over Innistrad Block, Kaladesh Block... And then at the end of the Amonkhet block. Uh, so it took eight blocks between the second and third demon slayings. And thankfully, we're only two blocks later for the Bells and Lock kill. 
Now, during the Amonkhet story, uh, or actually the Hour of Devastation story, the Raven Man, who is this apparition who has been appearing to her ever since she was young, uh, told her, You're only free if you kill each of your demons, Liliana. Only then will I leave you be. And like, of course he's lying. Like there's, <laughs> if, if any of you believed that the Raven Man was telling the truth to Liliana about this, I, I don't know what to tell you. If any of you believe that, then I have a potion you should give your brother. <laughs> hey. Um, but we, uh, we expected something like this to happen, just not with, uh, not with Nicol Bolas. We expected, because the Raven Man is the one who said that, we really expected the Raven Man to take Liliana over. But we'll, well talk about more of that. What, what I liked about that line is it sets up the expectation for something ominous to happen when she does finally kill the fourth demon. Right. Um, and it se- it sets up the kind of the the twist on Liliana's plan is that she thinks killing the four demons will get her out of trouble, but the Raven Man's insidiousness hints that oh, when you kill the fourth demon, that's when the real trouble is going to begin. <laughs> If you want the full story on Liliana's history, I have a summary that would have gone up yesterday on Gathering Magic uh, that covers story spotlight number three when she actually kills Belzenlock in Settle the Score. And she she makes fun of him because she says uh, something along the lines of, you know, you you made a contract with me that could only end, uh, that I could only be free of with your death, and you call me the fool. <laughs> no, she's still the and fool. obviously... <laughs> <laughs> now she's the fool. Uh, so one thing that got added... That's, that's the fun thing about Bolas plots, is that everyone who's not Bolas is the fool. Uh, so in Magic Origins, they added the detail to her backstory that Nicol Bolas brokered her demon deals, which was always kind of suspicious because I, the very first thing I asked is, what what does Bolas get out of this? Uh, yep. And now we know. Um Bolas owns her overall contract. We don't know exactly the exact details. We just know that by defaulting on her deals with the demons, she now owes Bol- her life to Bolas. And this is kind of a great uh, Xanatos gambit. Not that I like to bring up TV tropes very often, but Bolas wins either way. Either Liliana didn't try and get out of her deals and she serves him through the four demons, or she kills them all makes herself a much more powerful and useful pawn and still has to work for him, yep, which is yeah. pretty great. We we see a lot of plans like this for Bolas where kind of even even when he fails, he succeeds, uh, which like like we saw in um, Shards of Alara, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, a Johnny defeats him and repels him from Alara, but he still got to absorb the Maelstrom's worth of mana and vastly increase his power. There's There's not a lot of absolute defeat when it comes to fighting against Bolas's plots. <laughs> uh, so this, like we said, this wraps up a major lingering plot thread, which is what's going on with the demons, what's going to happen uh, after the demons are all gone, but it does not answering the lingering questions surrounding the chain veil, the Onaki, the Raven man, anything like that. So what it does explain is why Bolas brokered the four demon deals in the fourth pact is because he was the ultimate owner of the deals. So he was, he was a very, very bad, he was a very, very unethical, uh, broker on her behalf, we should say. Yep. 
Um, yeah, and I, and I think this this hints that gaining control of Liliana has been his goal since the beginning. Um, however, those threads kind of worked out. Like, like he also kind of has a habit of um, playing the odds, which this also kind of feels like. So, so he sets up these deals with Liliana, and then. You know, whatever she does, he kind of wins control of her anyway. But how exactly that all happens is kind of up to chance. And it'll probably work out good for him regardless, Um, even though if he does, even though he doesn't know specifically exactly how things will end. Uh, He he does the same kind of thing on Kaladesh when he sends Tezzeret to get a planar portal, which he couldn't have known was actually going to happen, but he was pretty sure. And he knew that having Tezzeret there would be able to nudge things in the right direction right we have to remember we're only seeing the stories where he's uh succeeding or at least partially succeeding in advancing his plans i got to imagine there's like for every story we see with him there's like a dozen more where it doesn't where it falls through like well like like sark and sabin ugin yeah exactly or say maybe if the real reason he sent tezzeret to uh Mirrodin to investigate New Phyrexia was for plane shifting technology there, and he didn't get it. So then he sent him to Kaladesh for something. Uh, it also explains something near and dear to Carrie's heart. Yeah, it brings up the possibility that Nicobola seeded the demons with information, specifically Kothafed, in order to get Liliana access to the Chain Veil and use the Chain Veil against her demons. Kothafed probably couldn't have known the full extent of it would like it would be used against him and again in the comic um the veil's curse part three he's pleading for his life and saying that um this won't free you and yeah it didn't really free her um she's still (laughs) in default on the contract as the demons lay dead and you know the very first seed for this was uh, so Carrie's talking about a story that takes place in the Veil's Curse Part Three. In Part Two of that, uh, when Liliana seizes upon the idea to go after Kothafed, uh, Sarkon in his Sarkon the Mad disguise had been tracking Liliana and reports back to Bolas that she had taken the Veil. Uh, so this is probably the very first seed that Bolus had a uh, a pretty heavy investment in this plot. Yep. Yeah. Like I said, I, I think ultimately the, the best way that this plane was going to go is that Liliana gets the veil and kills all four of her demons with it. I think that's how Bolus wanted it to go. Um, and Sarkin keeping taps, I think, is a really, really uh, good sign that Bolus cared very much about how it was actually going it's also a good sign that bolus is not uh omnipotent which he sometimes feels like he is in the story uh and that this is him playing the odds that he has agents checking up on one another to make things sure things are going as planned what also helps his uh keep his pawns in check because they're all spying on each other oh yeah uh, and that, that comes up in, I think, Puppets, because Tezzeret believes that Bolas had sent Liliana to check up on him, uh, because I guess Tezzeret may not have realized Liliana wasn't working for Bolas at the time, but he knew of the plan. Yeah, that's that's always interesting, too, because Tezzeret is, um, he's, he's Bolas's minion that is 
been most interactive with Bolas and has done a lot of really important stuff for him. He's 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 kind of like the 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 best the best minion, the Palictorian minion. Um, but that doesn't mean Tezzeret knows everything that's going on either. Um, so I think it's interesting to think about what Tezzeret thinks Bolas's plans are versus what they actually are, mm-hmm. and what Tezzeret thinks of Bolas and. It's a whole. It's a whole mess. Bolus plans. Bolus does not work with very trustworthy or uh, very trustworthy individuals or people who show a lot of restraint. So there's there's <laughs> always a lot of danger with these Bolus minions, um, which is dramatic and exciting, and that's what makes these stories fun. This plot also explains how Belzenlock knew Liliana was coming because again, Bolus seeded that information and. In- told him and probably told him about Josu as well. And that's just in Return to Dominaria episode two, just a couple weeks ago. So the real question here is why he wants Liliana. And I think that easy answer we've already we've already talked about a little bit is uh, that army of undead warriors he just resurrected from Amonkhet, the Eternals. Liliana is shown in one of the stories on Amonkhet just kind of casually taking control of a whole bunch of the anointed at one time. It's like her paradise. She's even talking about like everything is perfect. She has all these servants around that she can very easily bend to her will. And so if she can control them that easily, it's the same magic essentially to control the anointed. So uh, I had talked about how Nicol Bolas might want a general for the Eternals so that he doesn't have to be on the same plane as them to give them direction, uh, or just, you know, someone who can manage them on a day-to-day basis or in the middle of a battle so he can focus on his thing. And something Carrie has brought up is kind of the the nature of Amonkhet's curse. Oh, yeah. Carrie, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. If the Curse of Wandering was not a individually imbued thing and was just part of the plane as most have suspected and as would require it to be for like a unique world building perspective then you need somebody to bring them back to life possibly with the souls of anakis inside of them um, on other planes yeah and so that kind of brings us to what the importance of the chain veil is, because it's still kind of a mystery to us. It's this object, uh, it's people, it's creators were wiped out eons ago. We don't know exactly how long. And they, uh, they all inhabit the veil and they call Liliana her vessel of destruction. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much, pretty much all we know about the chain veil is that the Onaki spirits are in there. The veil can be used to resurrect them. And whoever wears it is going to be um, a world destroyer. But that's it. The other issue is that it seems in um, opposition to Bolas's plans as of the Hour of Devastation story, which was that Raven Man and Bolas were trying to coerce Liliana to, um, or convince Liliana to leave the plane, whereas the Onaki spirits were telling them, or telling Liliana to exert herself and um, use the power of the veil in that battle. Yeah, so the the Raven Man and the Onaki are not on the same side. We've learned that from a whole bunch of interactions, with the one exception of they all wanted to get the hell out of Dodge when Emrakul showed up. Yeah. 
And it's interesting because if the Raven Man wants Liliana to command the Eternal Army and is in cahoots with Bolas, that makes sense. But the Onaki are kind of along for the ride, and they might not want to put themselves in a position where they become minions of someone else. They're kind of kind of a character, but kind of not in this regard, in, in that we finally have a moment where they kind of show agency and ideas that differ from the people around them. So I, I think it's going to be interesting if they ever do get resurrected and what happens then and how they behave. So the next question is, every block since Magic Origins has kind of had a, if not a twist ending, there's been more to it than the story spotlight would imply. So for Battle for Zendikar block, uh, the Eldrazi victory was kind of nebulous because Ugin shows up right right afterwards when everyone's celebrating and scolds the Gatewatch. It's one of my favorite magic story moments. Do you want to talk about it? Go for it. Ugin just yells at everybody. So Ugin views the multiverse as this huge, super ancient, interconnected system, you know, and tugging a string on one end could have a butterfly effect that impacts something on the other side of the multiverse thousands of years later. Um, So, you know, he, he had trapped the Eldrazi on Zendikar originally to study them. And, you know, the Gatewatch shows up and just kills Kozilek and, Uma, and Ulamog. And so Ugin is furious because they don't understand what they did. Because not even he understands what they just did and the consequences of what they just did. He's like, you just killed two beings that we hardly know anything about. And y'all are just derby little humans and an elf and are probably going to die within the next century. And you could have just done something that has catastrophic impact on the multiverse 10,000 years from now when I'll still be alive and other (laughs) people will still be alive. And there might be no way to stop it. Thanks a lot, jerks. Like, like, so we have the fall of the Titans as as the kind of spotlight card for that. And everyone just assumes, oh, no, the Eldrazi are dead now. But are they? Like, Ugin's also really interested in studying uh, the remnants of the Eldrazi. He's taken a a liking to uh, Ulamog's skull, which at the time Chandra was using as a chair, um, and wants to do a lot of research into what maybe actually happened. So there's a lot of question of, are the Eldrazi really dead? Which you don't get just from the card. So then we have uh, Emrakul, who was ostensibly sealed into the moon, except we learn in a twist ending that she sealed herself into the moon after rewriting one of Tamiyo's uh, Iron Banded Scrolls about Sarah's realm. Uh, so that was a very interesting twist. We don't have no idea why she did that. Then on Kaladesh, uh, the Gatewatch believed they destroyed the planar bridge, uh, except Tezzeret had built the modular core into his Ethereum body. So Tezzeret is effectively the planar bridge at this point. And so, we just got to see him use it to take the Immortal Sun off Ixalan. That's right. You have the uh, meeting on Dominaria at the end of Kaladesh when uh, Ajani and the rest of them decide to rendezvous somewhere. And the decision is made that kind of off screen. We, we found out through other sources like the art book that they're planning on meeting on Dominaria. Carrie, did you want to talk about that? Yeah, um, it was agreed upon. 
in the art book and then hinted at at the very beginning of the Amonkhet story with, I believe, Impact, where they go there and um, one of the Gatewatch members asks Liliana, like, are you sure you know what the plane is that Johnny told us to go to? And she reassures them that she does know the location <laughs> of it. Yeah. Um, at the end of Hour of Devastation, we learn Rao Zarek is working for Nicol Bolas, uh, which has so many implications that I've talked about in the past. We won't get into it right now. We also learn in Ixalan's story, well, actually, in Hour of Devastation, you know, there's a, a seed planted for Jace Balaran to find Ugin or to find Ugin's plans on Ixalan, uh, where Jace teleported away because Ugin had planted a mental trigger in his mind. And so that was a twist that goes all the way back to their meetings in Battle for Zendikar. And then at the end of uh, Ixalan, Bolus's plans for Ravnica were revealed, which goes far beyond what the artwork had implied. So there's still a lot that could be going on behind the scenes, and none of yep. these story spotlights have anything to do with the Weatherlight or any of the Dominaria people. This is just Liliana's story, so we don't know how any of the rest of that is going to end or shake out. Yeah, so the, so the big question is... so. This may be the fourth of four story spotlights. Liliana is now under Bolus's control. But what we're still going to find out, inevitably, when we actually get to read all these, uh, the rest of the Dominaria stories, is that there's going to be more to this ending that's going to have implications, probably for Bolus's plans to invade Ravnica and stuff that could maybe not pay off for a year or two. Um, so it's very exciting to get some answers on the card, but know that there's lots of juicy stuff still <laughs> still out there to learn. So this brings us to the Raven Man, and there's a big issue here. So uh, Nicol Bolas's eyes in this artwork are this glowing gold, which matches the glowing golden eyes that we see in the Raven Man in... Um, a whole bunch of the artwork he's appeared in or all two maybe <laughs> yeah um, well for to to just back up a little bit for those that don't know the three of us have spent a lot of the last couple of years trying to figure out the identity of this mysterious raven man figure who has egged liliana on um through her entire life uh, manipulating events to cause her first ascension as a planeswalker and has haunted her since um so we we have a whole well I, I I guess well Jay has the the author's credit for the piece and he's he's done a lot of the research into I don't know how many pieces of magic oh fiction God. we looked into to figure all this stuff out but uh, Jay had published a piece last year called Who Is the Raven Man looking at all the details yeah called Who Is the Raven Man uh, I guess we can link to it on our on our Twitter and on uh, SoundCloud. We'll do a full podcast into Raven Man uh, history once we get a, an official reveal, whether it turns out to be Bolas after all, or if it's someone else, which we'll talk about a little bit here. But that is, I mean, it's a 9,000 word piece, so it's, yeah. it's, it's a bit to talk about. The yeah. issue is um, Nicol Bolas was dead when the Raven Man first appeared to Liliana. He died somewhere around 800 years ago and then wasn't revived until the mending 60 years ago 
uh, yeah. and Liliana's spark ignited 200 years ago. So if you're any good at math, which I'm not, but this one seems pretty cut and dry that uh, it'd be pretty hard for Bolas to do this while dead. Now, there, it is possible, and we'll talk about that in a second. Sort of But it's, it's a bit of a stretch. It's it, it's not really explainable without retcons if Nicol Bolas is the Raven Man himself. An additional issue would be that when Nicol Bolas was able to communicate with an active or um, even um, unignited planeswalker during the time spiral block, he immediately used that to his advantage to try to free himself from the Madaran Rift, or yep. the Madaran um, portal. And why wouldn't he do that with Liliana and instead just kind of poke at her for 200 years and wait until people got closer? <laughs> yeah. He could have easily lured her to the Rift and probably freed himself from the prison even earlier than um, he had been in. Yeah. 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 Uh, that is that is one major problem. The other major problem is when he uh, communicates with Venser, who he eventually lures to free himself and revive himself. He only appears as like a voice in Venser's head. He doesn't physically appear. Um, Venser doesn't see him. He just hears Sensei Ryu, this creepy disembodied voice on Madara. And you can only seem to hear it from Madara. So it, he didn't seem to have that much range. Uh, and then, Carrie, you wanted to talk about Agent's Artifice? What this could point to for the contents of Agents of Artifice is that the prologue of Agents of Artifice involves Nicol Bolas diving into Liliana's mind in order to implant um, mental protections that would keep their machinations um, hidden from the telepath Jace Valerian, who is also working for the consortium that Liliana Vess was working for. If he's diving inside of Liliana's mind and finds a spectral form in there, then he could have easily either co-opted that for himself or offered a deal to that individual. And by the end of the Agents of Artifice novel, he does offer to help Liliana escape her deals at the cost of like becoming a servant of Bolas. But Liliana like blatantly refuses this. Which is hilarious <laughs> now that we know what's going on. It could have been a... In reality, it wasn't written at the time. In the current context that we have, it could have been an effort to speed things along, as we know. Or get her as a willing servant rather than an unwilling one. Yes. You know, and there's a lot of issues where Liliana interacts with the Raven Man... But we had just noticed, like a couple weeks ago, on a reread of one of these stories for my uh, for my summary that came out yesterday, that uh, the Raven Man is described as having uh, spectral lips, and spectral is you know very specifically used to refer to spirits or ghosts. There's really only one Raven Man candidate who would be a ghost or a spirit right now, which we'll we'll, we'll mention at the end who we think it is. <laughs> Lorthos, the Freshmaker. Uh, no, it's not Lorthos. That was a joke. Yeah. I do hope we see Spirit Lorthos one day. He's Calamari right now. Uh, so this whole plot is what we expected, but with the Raven Man, not Bolas. I think we mentioned that already. Because Bolas, you know, he's... We see in the questionably canonical test of metal, he implants a mental um, voice in, uh, in, in Tezzeret called Dr. Jest. 
but Dr. Jest doesn't actually appear before Tezzeret. He's just kind of a voice in his head that um, basically is go, no go. If he's doing something that uh, Dr. Jest thinks Nicol Bolas won't like, he just like cripples him with pain, essentially, uh, which is not what we've seen the Raven Man do. The Raven Man can uh, take direct control of either the Chain Veil and or Liliana, because we saw that in Amonkhet when she got swallowed by the Sandworm. Probably Liliana directly, because when way back in the Veil of Deceit, when Liliana tried to get rid of the Chain Veil, she found she couldn't actually let go of it. And I wonder now if that was the Raven Man controlling her and keeping her from getting rid of it. And also there's this weird bit where in Liliana's indignation, Jace Bellerin busts in kind of crazed because he had a... He, he, he's going a little emrical mad at this point. Yeah, but he breaks through Liliana's mental defenses and he gets distracted because he sees the Raven Man there. He actually looks off to the side. He doesn't see it as like a... a he doesn't see it as like a, a mental image. You know, he's got a bunch of illusions right there. He physically turns and looks at the Raven Man in the room. And Liliana is like shocked. And that scene just kind of gets glossed over. But if it was just something in Liliana's head, I'm not sure why Chase would have to physically turn to look at him in the room. And then there's also the Chandelar connection. Andrew? Yeah, so, well, I, I guess I guess at this point we should mention the, the TLDR is we think the Raven Man is the the still uh, kicking spirit of Limdul the Necromancer, who's a character from way back in the Ice Age, um, who ends up does doing a bunch of stuff on Chandelar. But one of his traits is that he can spirit hop uh, from one body to another, and he does this multiple times on Chandelar to avoid death. Listen to our second podcast on the Ice Age for full details yes. on Limdul. And his his story kind of ends on Chandelar when his spirit gets trapped inside an artifact that powers a planar barrier. Um, you know. As you do. Already, <laughs> yeah. But we do know of a certain super powerful artifact that exists on Chandelar, at least existed before Liliana took it. That's the Chain Veil. So our theory is that Limdul is trapped, either trapped in the Chain Veil or near the Chain Veil in a, the same location was brought back to Dominaria, got involved with Liliana, then potentially maybe got involved with Bolas later. So if the spirit... Now, Limdul was not a planeswalker. He was just a necromancer. And as a spirit, he would have had no way to get from Chandelar to Dominaria unless a planeswalker brought him there, which is kind of another running theme in Limdul's backstory is that he worked with evil planeswalkers all the time. Including to lead an army of undead. Just yes. like the Eternals. Uh, multiple times on multiple planes. It's it's kind of his thing, working with bad guy planeswalkers to lead undead armies uh, to try and conquer entire worlds. But there's a, a key detail about the history of the Onaki that's gone unanswered, and it's who killed them. We Their entire civilization got exterminated in one night by a kind of a roiling cloud of death and meteors falling from the sky, which is pretty destructive, and there are not a lot of planeswalkers who would have done that. And we should note uh, that the Raven Man talks about having been there, which is why right. we know that he had to have a Chandelar connection, and the number of characters with Chandelar connections is, is very, very slim. Right. So this is kind of where a hypothetical Bolas connection makes a lot of sense, because the way the, way the extermination of the Unaki is described looks an awful lot like the art on the card uh, Torment of Hellfire 
from Hour of Devastation, in which Bolas is casting down these meteoric projectiles and bringing ruin to an entire battlefield. And we know from the Amonkhet story that he's plenty capable of single-handedly exterminating entire cities on his own, basically by snapping his finger claws. Um, <laughs> so if Bolas is the individual who exterminated the Unaki, which would have happened more than a thousand years ago, so he would have been alive, he may have discovered Limdul's spirit and brought him back to Dominaria, which later we find out Bolas gets killed there, because that's also Bolas's last known location when he dies. There's also the mystery of how the Chain Veil turns people into demons. It turned Obnixilis into demon, it cursed Garuk, and we don't know, or Garrick, however you want to pronounce it, and we don't know why, like, at all. Like, we have guesses, but that's about it. Yeah. And I don't think that's going to be answered. So, like, th this this card doesn't answer, and this potential plot in the, in the Dominaria set, I don't think we are going to answer all the Chain Veil mysteries, but I think they're going to tie up how this involves Liliana. And, I, and Bolus makes sense as this connection. And if he's not the Raven Man, then the Raven Man being a character who has already worked for evil planeswalkers and been a necromancer makes sense for how we think Liliana is positioned in Bolus's plot. Yeah. And it follows Bolus's MO of working indirectly through agents to keep track of his other agents, which is what the Raven Man might have been doing this whole time. So in summary, our two lingering questions here, at least in regards to the Raven Man, are is the Raven Man a servant? And when did he become when did he start working for Bolus? And uh if he's not Bolus, we'll have to wait and see. I hope it's revealed in this story. So why don't I go ahead and let you two give your last thoughts? Uh, I'll start with Carrie this time. I do hope that our limb dual thread survives through the Dominaria story, <laughs> but a um, pair of yellow beady eyes give me a little hope. Well, I should... Uh... I, I still have hope, I think. Uh, the the yellow eyes does make it seem like maybe it's meant to to imply that Bolas is the Raven Man. But then there's other artwork in Dominaria that still leaves me uh, a little bit hopeful that there's a larger connection there. And Andrew? Um, I guess the last thing I want to tack on to the evil alliance potentially between the Raven Man and Nicol Bolas is that Belzenlock is kind of tied in here too. Uh, Belzenlock knew, A, knew that Liliana was going to come back. Um, B, it's implied Belzenlock intended for Liliana's brother Josu to become a lich and a leader in his Cabal's army. Three, the Raven Man implies that he manipulated a lot of these events um, that would have happened while Bolas was dead. Um, and the Josu events kind of tie better to Belsenlock than Bolas. But with the Kalfafed incident, we know Bolas was probably feeding him information. And we definitely know he was, Bolas was working over Razaketh, um, because he had given Razaketh special tasks for the destruction of, um, Noctamon on Amonkhet. 
So I think it's likely that what we're looking at is essentially a, a triangle of evil, a Pythagorean <laughs> axis of death between the Raven Man, Belzenlock, and Nicol Bolas. And I don't know entirely who in that triangle believes they're at the top. And I don't know who in that triangle totally trusts the other people in the triangle. And I don't know who in that triangle, how much anyone knows about what the other members of the triangle are doing. <laughs> so, like, yeah, th there are lots of layers for evil characters to think they're getting the better end of a deal when they're actually getting betrayed by the other characters that they're working with. Um, very, very Martin Scorsese-like, um, uh, which, like, villains in general, I think, make pretty compelling characters. And I think we're looking at three villains who are kind of set up in a situation that could lead to a lot of interesting and fun drama. Um, so I'm very excited to see how it all turns out. With the demons dead, we can finally move past that part with Liliana in Bolas's clutches. We've finally reached like the next phase of her story, and the answers to the Raven Man and the Chain Veil should be coming soon. All right, and that's the cast. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>